Welcome back to a quick timeout. Joining us today is Coach Randy Sherman. For those of you who are part of the Fast Model family, you're probably familiar with Coach Sherman. In addition to being a regular contributor on Fast Model, he's also the founder and owner of Radius Athletics, a basketball coaching consulting firm. Coach, thanks so much for joining us today. Yeah, thank you, man. Anytime. Happy to help. At the time of this episode, we're in the middle of summer, and the start of most basketball seasons is several months away still. But these summer months provide a great opportunity for coaches to reevaluate their teams and their programs. And so that's what I really wanted to focus on today. Coaches, you coach, where do coaches need to start in the whole evaluation process? I think the first step is to get, a, in my opinion, is to get a little separation from the end of your season to when you begin sort of the reflection process. Really only one team in your state's conference or your, you know, your college level is ends, a, ends the season happy, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> only one of the, so, you know, sometimes the wounds of, of a bitter ending to a season are still fresh and you, you, you know, it's good. I think this time of year, like June, July, after it's been a month or two since season's end is a good starting point just to get a little separation so you're not. So you can kind of almost look at look back toward the season that that transpired through almost like fresh a fresh lens, right? To, mm-hmm. to you're you're seeing it again for the first time mm-hmm. in a way. So first step is to get a little separation. Is you know this what we're going to talk about today wouldn't be something you know if we 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 lost in the regional tournament and then like next Monday I'm starting this. Mm-hmm. I, I would get a little separation, get away before you begin. You know, I think for me that this this the reflection process on your team sort of begins with measuring what actually happened during the season versus what we you know what what our you know our our game model or what what we you know the style of play we set out to accomplish you know measuring what actually happened versus that to see you know how, how do we do as far as like this is how we said we were going to play this is. This is what our goals were, whether they be statistical or, or uh, individual goals. This is what our goals were as a team. This is what we wanted to achieve. This is what we achieved. Let's see how let's see how close we got. And 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 is what we're hoping to carry out as a program actually transpiring on the court? So I think that's the starting point: is just starting with who you are, and then looking back and going, how well did we get close to this 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 idea of what we want to be as a team? You work a lot with coaches, and I would assume that a lot of times they're basing, even though we say we don't do this, they're basing the success of their season off of their wins and their losses. Like They may not base it off championships, but even off the wins and the losses. I know even with us, you know, this last year, we had a lot of injuries on our team. And so you evaluate your season based off of potential. Like we, we lost a lot of players, but we still played really hard, and, and we still ended up with X amount of wins. Right. Even though we say we don't value that, do you find that that's frequently how coaches will evaluate how their season went? I do because it's kind of how you're measured as a coach, right? Like it, the, the the bottom line matters the most. So you know, coaches it seems like especially male coaches derive a lot of their own personal identity as a man from their job performance, right? And, and that's not just true in coaching; that's true in in other walks of, of life and in other business and other fields, right? So yeah, so so we kind of look at the wins and losses as our validation as a professional, right? And there's some merit to that. I mean, obviously that that's the goal. The aim is to to, to come out on the right side of the scoreboard. But mm-hmm. but what I try to do with coaches is sort of get them to to bring them down from 
from wanting to look at the whole to look at the part. And we start talking about how did we do in terms of per possession? Like, mm-hmm. like you know, not, not the season, but like when we have the ball, how did we do? When our opponent has the ball, how did they do? Or, you know, conversely, our defense do, right? So I really try to just maybe make that more digestible for coaches to try to say like, here's here's how you did, here's what good teams look like. And, you know, while you maybe didn't have the, the championship season you dreamed of, but, you know, you took another step closer to, to what elite teams perform like, right? Yeah. So just boiling it down to maybe a bit, a bit more of a digestible way to look at performance. Talking about statistics and analytics, they play such a huge role in this, the decision-making process in today's game. Do you have any suggestions for like what numbers we should really be concerned with when we're performing the self-scout and, and what statistics actually matter? Yeah, I would say, again, but start to look look at the game through a per-possession lens rather than per game. You know, like the team that, that you know, averages 58 points a game versus a team that averages 85 points a game, you know, on paper, mm-hmm. you know, at first glance, it might seem like, well, the team with 85 points a game had the better offense, right? It might not be, you know, it, if you look at the possess- per possession and efficiency that they might be equal or one, the other one with a fewer points per game because of tempo might, might actually been more efficient team than the one who scored 85 points a game. Mm-hmm. So I think that's where we begin is to, is the catch-all number is points per possession. We talk a lot about points per shot, too, hmm. um, with the coaches I work with. Um, the, the, the number that sort of catches it all is, is, is your points per possession. Real simple formula there. Take your, you know, your total points at the end of the year, divide it by the number of possessions, and there you go, right? So, so that's sort of like the end number that's sort of our main statistic that, that sort of grades the health of our offense. And then if you look at opponents' points per possession, grades the health of our defense, right? Mm-hmm. So I'd say if I had to say where we look first is that. Mm-hmm. And we talk about points per shot too in, in terms of, of, of looking at the yield gained from three-point shots versus two-point shots and, and looking at it through points per shot attempt, right? So those are probably the main two. If you were to follow Randy, you would see that he'll post a lot, especially during March Madness, about the four factors. At some point, I'd like to have you back on to talk a little bit more in depth about those. Before we go on to the next thing, just to echo what he said there, we play a kind of schedule where one night we could be playing a Division II team. The next night we're playing a Division I team. The the next week we're playing an NAIA team. And especially if you're playing a diverse set of opponents, if you are just measuring the outcome of each of those equally, I think you're doing yourself a huge disservice as a coach because of the fact that you may be one night facing one style and then the next night a completely different style or completely different level of opponent. That's one thing that we had a hard time with when we first started out because we were comparing ourselves equally against everybody else. And the reality was, is that that's not a fair thing to do to your team or to your system. Yeah. You want to get your evaluation of your performance down to a tempo free way of looking at, at it. So, you know, every game is different and every game sort of takes on its own personality based on the styles of the two teams. But, you know, possession's a possession. We either came away with a point or we didn't, right? right? You know, so whether there was 60 of them in a game or 80 of them in a game, we we either came away with a point every time we had the ball or we didn't. When it comes to this matter of self-evaluation, I feel like especially in the summertime, coaches will do a lot of self-evaluation by comparing themselves to what their favorite personality, coach, whatever, whatever that person is doing. And in this 
culture of social media. We as coaches, we love to share plays. We love to share drills and practice tips. And if we aren't careful, we can end up with this enormous playbook, enormous practice drill book full of great stuff, but actually be worse off than we started. What kind of advice or warnings do you give for coaches related to all of that? Yeah, I would say the analogy I always make is like fashion. In fashion, you know, if you looked at a a, a photo of yourself, you know, 15 years ago and look at what you were wearing, you'd be like, man, what a clown, you know, like, like, what was I wearing that for? You know, but like, there are some things in fashion, a well-tailored Navy suit, a, a, a nice pair of blue jeans, like any era is not going out of style, right? So the, the warning I would ask coaches to heed is like, coach the things that never go out of style. There's things that are come in vogue. There's things that are, you know, things that were in vogue, that went out of vogue, that come back in vogue again. And it's really easy to sort of migrate and feel like, oh, I'm not, I'm not on the leading edge of the coaching industry if I'm not doing this or that or adding this because, you know, this, this team I admire, this coach I admire, or something I saw. Some of that can be great. And some of it speaks to the things that never go out of style. But but I, I wanted my teams and, and what I try to help coaches get to is like, first, make sure your teams are great at the things that never go out of style. Spacing, driving kick game, defending, really challenging opponents on the defensive end. Like, like that's not going to go out of style. It's like it's, it's like a well-tailored blue suit. So that's where I try to begin with coaches. Like, you know, I feel like sometimes I'm literally like, hey, you know, grabbing them by the chin and say, hey, 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 look over here. You know, look at me. Look at me. Try like like quit wandering off and getting it because your team is not good at the things that don't go out of style yet. And when they are, then maybe we can talk about, okay, let's do horns, floppy, double rip twists, whatever, you know, but like the first things first, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying necessarily like the fundamentals, but like, like just the, the team concepts, the tactical concepts that just, they just work. They're just not going to go out of style because they just, they just work. Yeah. I kind of want to end with this, but I think it might be the most important thing that we talk about here. Mm -hmm. This idea of being self-aware as a coach. Yeah. And it builds off what we just talked about. You can see so many things that you like or for young coaches emulating somebody that's older that they, that they want to be the next, but being self-aware of who you are and your capabilities and maybe your team's capabilities. Can you talk just to the point as you've worked with coaches what advice do you have for them? What activities do you do with them? What questions do you ask them to help them become self-aware so that they can be the best version of who they are? No, absolutely. And great question. I think when I first started, you know, offering my time to help coaches, you know, I thought it was going to be, you know, here's some plays, here's some drills. And after many conversations and hours and hours of speaking with coaches, I found there needed to be some prerequisite conversations before we got into that, because I encountered so many coaches who, for lack of a better word, were just sort of lost as a coach. Like they try this one year, got mixed results, try this the next, got mixed results. They, you know, just really ideologically weren't firm. Right. And so now when I when I when I begin working with a new coach, a coach that comes into our program, we sort of have like an intake exercise that we call three pillars where the three pillars like I want them to articulate. It doesn't have to be three. It could be two, could be four, but like somewhere, you know, around there, I, I asked him to sort of articulate in a few bullet points. When you watch your team play or when I watch your team play, what will I definitely see? What, what, what would you want someone watching your team to definitely see? 
And we try to get those tangible, not things like heart and hustle. Who doesn't want that, right? But like, like actually, like you will see a team that sprints the floor, for example. That's just one of the many examples a coach could give me. But start there. Just, just say, hey, these are some, these are you know three, maybe four things offensively, defensively that we're going to be quote unquote known for, right? Mm-hmm. And and I sort of I sort of observe that when I coached from you know other programs that that. Not only, you know, won every single year, you know, they, they never had a bad year. They were always, you know, challenging for the top 10 in the state or knocking on the door of the state tournament or actually getting there or something like that. You know, it's the same usual suspects at every level, right? Mm-hmm. You can make a short list right now of who's probably going to win the NCAA championship or the high school championship in your classification, whatever the case may be. I observed two things. It's not, one, it was the usual suspects. And two, not only that, they sort of play the same every year, mm-hmm. right? Like, this kid graduates, these guys go and everyone says, oh, they won't be able to do that. Well, they just plug in guys and they just kind of keep, I could watch that team one year, go to Siberia for five years, come back and watch them in like, there's different guys out there, but like they still have a very identifiable style. And I I thought that was something every coach kind of saw and understand because it's all around you. Mm -hmm. It's not just in college basketball or it's all around you everywhere. Right. Mm -hmm. So, so, even businesses that have sort of like a true trademark way of, you know, whether that be a, a slogan, a catchphrase, a logo or something that like, you know it when you see it. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's the first step I try to do with coaches is like, Hey, stop all the, we're going to do this next year, this, the next year, this did, you know, and like, okay, stop all that. What do you want to see when you watch your team play? What, mm-hmm. what is it that, that, and I try to really help coaches kind of separate their thinking a little bit from their like returning lettermen or their, all right, you got these guys back and I know they have strengths and weaknesses, but let, let's, let's put that on the back burner for just a second and say, how do you want to coach? How do you want to play? Right. And mm-hmm. let's see if we can actually get closer the, to that than, than being responsive to, you know, ebbs and flows and like really build a system that, that, that sort of mitigates some of those ebbs and flows by really, you know, saying, this is what we're going to do. This is what we're going to be great at. And we'll be good when we get there. So much good information. Definitely want to have Coach Sherman on again. We're going to keep things short because this is a quick timeout. But Coach, thanks so much for joining us today. Anytime, man. I'm looking forward to coming back and and sharing some more more thoughts like these today. It's been been a great, quick, and uh, a conversation, I think, that will hopefully help some people. Yeah, definitely. I, I know it'll get some some coaches thinking for sure. In the meantime, go follow Coach Sherman on Twitter. It's at Radius Athletics. And be sure to also check out his website, RadiusAthletics.com for, for more great information. Just really quickly, if you haven't heard yet about Anchor, it is the easiest way to make a podcast. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will even distribute your podcast to Spotify and Apple Podcasts and other platforms so your show actually gets heard. You can even make money from your podcast, no matter the size of your audience. It really is everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That'll do it for this episode. Be sure to hit that subscribe button if you haven't already. Share the podcast with your other coaching friends. Help us grow the game. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you again at the next time out.